Welcome to the Overflow Podcast. We pray you are encouraged by this message. For more info, notes, or other messages, download the Overflow Church app or visit our website at overflowdfw.com. Hey guys, Pastor Josh here. I want to thank you for tuning into our podcast, whether you do that through our app and listen every week or you're just listening for the first time. Hey, if the podcast is a blessing to you, if you would, you know, mention us on social media at OverflowDFW or hashtag OverflowDFW. We'd love to hear how we're being an encouragement to you. You can also email us at OverflowDFW at gmail.com. Again, thanks so much for listening, and here's today's message. So we're going to start by talking about John 13. Um, I'm just going to go straight in and read it. We're going to read verse 1 through 5. It says, Now before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour had come to depart out of the world to the Father, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. During supper, when the devil had already put it in the heart of Judas, Simon's son, to betray him, Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things to his hands and that he had come from God and was going back to God, God rose from supper from supper he laid aside his outer garments and taking a towel tied it around his waist then he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples feet and wipe them with the towel that was wrapped around him now every time that I read this it doesn't matter how long it's been since I've read John 13 every time I go back to this there's three parts of those five verses that really stick out to me um, and the first one is that he loved them to the end um, and to me, that, like, I know that Jesus loved me to the end. I know that he died for me, right? But the fact that he chose his last act before dying for us was to humble himself and wash our feet is just astounding. We know that he is the king of kings and the Lord of lords, but he chose to do that before he loved us to the end. And that's crazy. That just shows you who we serve, right? Um, And then the next thing is that the devil had already put it in the heart of Judas to betray Jesus. And then right after that, it says that Jesus knew. And every time I laugh, I'm like, Judas, you know that he is the Messiah. You know that he is fully God and fully man. He knows all things. And he knows that you're about to betray him. But what's crazy is that Jesus still chose to wash Judas's feet. He didn't go around to all 12 of the disciples or all 11 of the disciples and skip over Judas because he knew Judas was about to betray him. No, he chose being the chosen one. He chose to go and humble himself and wash their feet. And to me, every time I just think, what was Judas thinking? Like, can you imagine what was going on in his head? He had the revelation that this was the Messiah. He had the revelation. All the disciples did. And that he saw Jesus humble himself and wash his feet is insane Um, to me. (laughs) That's insane. Um, But before we go on with the rest of John 13, I kind of want to talk about the significance of feet washing. Because um, in our culture, we don't wash each other's feet because feet are disgusting. So, (laughs) yes, Pastor Josh and I have a great despise for feet. So, um, for, for... Sorry, not fur. Um, In Jesus' time, uh, what they would do is, obviously, they lived in the desert. So... 
and they did not have transportation. So they'd walk everywhere to get where they were going, and they only wore sandals. And their feet were probably, like, I can't even imagine. Like, feet now are gross. Can you imagine how disgusting they were back then? Like, ugh, I can't even think about it. And so... They would go in to um, these homes and wherever they were uh, being hosted, and they would have a servant waiting for them. And it wasn't just any servant. It was the lowliest of servants. And um, they would come, and they would wash their feet, and they would anoint their feet with oil, and then they'd go and have supper and do whatever they were going to do. And so to think that this is the way that it was in their time, and that them knowing that, the disciples knowing that, and then having Jesus do that, was just, I can't imagine what was going through the disciples' minds. And again, like I said, it's just amazing that even though Jesus knew that Judas was going to betray him, he still chose to love him. He still chose to show him one of the greatest acts of love and humility, which was to wash their feet. At that time, that was one of the greatest things you could, the most humble things you could do. And this Lord of Lords, he's our Lord. He's our King. He humbled himself and washed their feet, not just their feet, but the one who was about to betray him. It, it's, this is amazing. Now, I'm going to go on. I almost got ahead of myself. We're going to go on to John 13, 12 through 5, and it says, When he had washed their feet and put on his outer garments and resumed his place, he said to them, Do you understand what I have done to you? You call me teacher and Lord, and you are right, for so I am. If I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you the example that you also should, should do just as I have done. So Jesus washed the feet of the ones he, he knew were about to betray him, and then he mandates us to do the exact same thing. He calls us to do exactly that. And when you, uh, obviously, when you're washing someone's feet, that's a humble act. And you guys, you can't have uh, bitterness and humility in the same place. You can't. And you can't have unforgiveness and bitterness in the same place because if you've forgiven someone, you're not bitter towards them. You love them. You're showing them an act of love, right? And so it's amazing that Jesus tells us this is what you're supposed to do. You are not supposed, supposed to, no matter what they've done to you, you aren't supposed to have that towards them. You're supposed to choose to humble yourself and love them. Um, and I know that probably by now some of you are thinking of some people that have done some horribly wrong things to you. Um, but just have to, you just have to remember that Jesus is calling us to do this, and we're called to be like him, right? Um, now, before I got saved, I got saved when I was about 17 years old. Like, really, like, I'm going to live for Jesus, like, 17 years old. And um, before that, I had never done anything crazy in my whole life. Like, my parents can attest I was a pretty good teenager, except for my attitude. Sorry, Mom and Dad. And so um, so I, come, I came to the Lord, and he completely set me free of like, I used to have anxiety attacks. He set me free of anxiety, and I knew who I was in him immediately. Like, the next day I woke up, and I was like, I don't need a man. I'm so awesome. Like, like I was so confident. I knew who I was. But um, as I spent time with the Lord and was really just uh, praying and being with him, he would always kind of nudge me, like, Brooke, you have these people that you haven't forgiven. You have this bitterness in your heart. And I remember I'd be like, 
Lord, you don't even know. Like, I'm good. I've forgiven them. We are a-okay. And then he would remind me again and again, Brooke, like, you've got to forgive them. (laughs) Whoa. (laughs) Got a little crazy down there. And so um, I was like, (laughs) I was like, okay, Lord, well, I don't feel like I'm angry towards them. Like, what are you, wait, what is it there that I need to work on? And he would remind me of things that had happened with people, things people had said or done to me. And I realized, like, oh, I do have bitterness in my heart. Well, I don't want it there. If you don't want it there, like, work on me. And I realized that what I would do is I would take, the kingdom is all about sowing and reaping, right? Okay, so I would take that seed of hurt that somebody did towards me, and I'd plant it in a soil of unforgiveness in my heart, and bitterness began to sprout up. And I began to just be full of bitterness. And the Lord then, of course, had to come in and get all that out. And it's also important, I know this sounds so elementary, but in order for you to forgive, many times you have to understand that the hurt is there. Sometimes we don't even realize that it's there. Um, we, we a lot of times take that pain and shove it down deep because we don't want to deal with it. It hurts, y'all. It hurts to be hurt. And so you don't want to have to deal with it. And so you shove it down deep, and a lot of times you want justice and you want vengeance and you want that person to have to pay for what they did to you. But can I tell you that it's our job to keep our heart clean. It's our job to keep our heart pure. And you, obviously we don't want bitter hearts. Like we don't want people to look at us. I know that there's, there's many people I can think of in my head and Uh, they're full of bitterness, and you can see it on them. You can see it in their face. You can see it in their countenance. And you look at them, and you think, I don't, Lord, I don't want to be bitter like that. Like, I don't. I don't want to have that hurt and that anger towards people. Um, So I want to give you guys, I cannot give you, like, 12 steps to freedom and forgiveness. I can't. But I can tell you what the Lord really did in my heart that helped me forgive. So the first thing, and these are all you might think when I say them, like, Brooke, duh. But I want to kind of just help you walk through it. So the first one is you have to look at your heart. You have to look at your heart. Um, Psalm 5110, which has been like a foundational verse for me in my walk with the Lord. It says, created me a pure heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. And if you know me, like this is my verse. Like in our house at Nate and I's apartment, if you walk out the door, I have a bulletin board and it's on my bulletin board. So I see it all the time to remind me like to pray, Lord, is there anything in me that's defiling my heart? Which kind of leads me to the next verse, which is Hebrews twelve fifteen says, see to it that no one fails to obtain the grace of God, that no, that no root of bitterness springs up and causes trouble, and by it many become defiled. And the first time I read that, I thought, okay, many become defiled. How is that, how is that possible? But a lot of times, and I'm speaking probably to mostly women, when we are hurt, We want to go tell people. We want to go gossip. We want to go tell people so they can tell us, oh, you know what? You are so right in feeling that way. They are so wrong. They should have never done that to you. But when you do that, 
you're creating secondary offense, which if you don't know where, what secondary offense is, it's, it's I'm offended, so I tell Pastor Leslie, and now Pastor Leslie's offended, and that's secondary offense. And sometimes that is just as deadly as my personal offense. And it says that, that no root of bitterness will come and defile your heart. So this root of bitterness is what's defiling you. So you now are defiling others by telling them these things. And you guys, Jesus is coming back for a pure and a spotless bride. He, with no defilement, with no spot or wrinkle. So if you are, have a bitter heart, then you're defiled. But if you are telling others about it, then they are now getting defiled. And you are hurting the bride of Christ. And Jesus obviously isn't for that uh, at all. Um, and then, so that's the first one. Look at your heart and make sure that it's pure and make sure that it's um, right before the Lord. And then the second thing is to figure out where the pain and bitterness is from. Um, many times, like I said earlier, we don't even know that it's there. We don't even know that that root of bitterness is there. Um, and like I, I'd said a second ago, the kingdom is about sowing and reaping, but the, um, reality is you can sow good seed and you can sow bad seed. So whenever you have bitterness, you're sowing bad seed into, into the soil, like Nate was saying, like your, your seed can be good and go on to bad soil, or you can have a bad seed go into good soil, or you can have a bad seed go into bad soil. And that's obviously bad. So, um, you have to just keep looking. And if you see it, you have to uproot it. And I see, um, I'm like a seer, so I like envision things all the time. And so for me, when I think of bitterness, I think of it as uh, like a weed. And so you have a weed in your garden, that's your heart. And um, once you get one weed and you don't take care of it, you like 10 more sprout up out of nowhere. And so if you aren't tending that often, then you're going to have a field of weeds. You're going to have a heart full of bitterness. And before you even know it, you'll look back at your heart and be like, where did that even come from? How did that even get there? But it's because you weren't tending your heart. You weren't looking at your heart and you weren't trying to figure out where the bitterness is from. And the longer that that root of bitterness has been there and you don't deal with it, the deeper the root goes and the harder it's going to be to pull up. I remember when I was a kid, um, well, not really a kid, but like younger, my dad would always have us pull weeds in the backyard. And that was like one of my least favorite jobs because we'd, we'd kind of wait till they were pretty bad. And you'd have to, like, I remember I would be like leaning back with all my force trying to get these weeds out of this stupid garden. And um, I couldn't get it up. Because the, the soil had gotten dry, because the weed had sucked up all the water, and it was so hard to get that weed out because its roots had grown so deep. And then there was times when I'd just pull off the top, the top part, and the root just keeps growing, and then it's going to sprout back up. And, and what's showing may not be very big, but the root that's going down is double the size, and it's two times as hard to get up, right? And so... That is the exact same thing with bitterness. Bitterness, the longer you let it sit there, the harder it is to uproot it. And it's a lot like a wound. Um, The deeper that a wound is, the harder it is to 
um, clean, and it's going to hurt more. I remember when I was uh, when I was growing up, my parents had a nickname for me. It was uh, graceful because I wasn't, and so I would always hurt myself. Like every single day I was coming, I was a dancer and I'd come home and I'd be like, mom, I twisted my ankle. Mom, I broke my pinky. I didn't actually break my pinky. I just made that one up. But I, uh, one time I was at my best friend's party and it was, she had a lake house and we were on her boat and, um, we had jumped out of the boat and we were swimming in the lake and it was time to get out. And they had a, I don't know if all boats have this, but they had a foldable, ladder, metal ladder. And so we folded it out and I was climbing up and a wave came and it pushed me against the ladder and my pinky got stuck in the little foldy part. And so I immediately was like, wow, like, cause I'm me and I rip it out from being pinched in there and it hurts. So I like shake it in the lake water why I did that. I don't know. And so I climb out and I'm like, oh my goodness, I can see everything. And so, um, I'm like, uh, you need to get me back to land so I can clean myself. And so we get there and I remember, um, we would have to take, my mom and I would take like every morning and every night, we'd have to clean the wound and we'd have to pour the hydrogen peroxide on it. And it would sting so bad. I like still feel it in my pinky. It hurts so bad. And, we, my mom would have to, like, make sure nothing else got in there because I'd put it in nasty lake water because I'm – I don't know why I did that, guys. But um, every day we'd be cleaning it, and she'd wrap my wound. And even though she wrapped it, it would still – the next time we cleaned it, it would still have stuff in it. And, and it took a few weeks for it to heal. But now if you look at my pinky, you can't see anything because it healed. And I knew – I know, right? Thank you, Jesus. I still have – all of my pinkies, um, and I, I know all two of them, um, and so I knew, yes, it hurts, like, a lot to have my mom clean that every single day, but I also knew that if I didn't do it, it would hurt 10 times worse if it got infected, or I'd only have one pinky to show you guys today, so, um, we obviously understood the importance of like daily cleaning it and making sure it was healing well. And that's also how it is with, with uprooting bitterness and walking in forgiveness. You just have to always be checking and cleaning and making sure that you're, you're cleaning out that wound. Um, so the first one I had was look at your heart. The second one was figure out where the pain is from. And the third one is, um, you have to decide to forgive. And that's obviously so elementary, but the reality is most people think this is the hardest part, deciding to forgive. But in reality, it's the very easiest because, because we have Jesus as our example. And if we think of everything that Jesus has forgiven us of, then there is no problem in us forgiving someone else. Um, Romans 5, 8 says, but God demonstrates his, demonstrates his love for us in this, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. If you think right now of the worst sin you've committed, obviously don't say it out loud, but think of it and then think of the fact that Jesus knew that you were going to do that and still died for you. 
he still chose to love you in all of that gunk and filth. And we're called to do exactly the same. A lot of times we, you know, we preach those messages about, oh, Jesus saved you from all of these things, and and we'll weep and we'll cry, but then we'll forget when it comes our turn to forgive someone else. We forget all that Jesus has forgiven us of. And and it, it also says in the uh, in the Bible, it says, Jesus says, those who are forgiven much love much. And so if you know what you're forgiven of, you will love immensely. If we look back and remember Judas in John 13, he was about to betray. This is like the most uh, similar thing I can relate it to. He was about to betray Jesus. And... Jesus still chose to wash his feet, one, but also still chose to die for him. And when you remember that, you also are reminded that that's what Jesus did for us. He knew everything we were going to do, and he still chose to love us to the end. And we are called, he mandates us to do the exact same things to our brothers and sisters. We are not called to hold any wrong. That's not what love does, right? We don't hold any wrongs against each other. We choose to love no matter what, right? Because that's exactly what Jesus does for us. And when we remember everything that Jesus forgave us of, we cannot go on in bitterness, and we cannot go on in unforgiveness. We We have to be like him. And we have to choose to love. If you call yourself a Christian, but you do not love, how will the world know that you are different? That's what Jesus says. He says, the world will know you by the way you love each other. I obviously paraphrased, but that's what it says. And so, (laughs) go read it. Just kidding. Um, And so, we are called to love just like him. And if you are holding a wrong towards anyone, then you are not choosing love. And you are not walking in love. And you are not getting the opportunity to show Jesus to those people. Right? And after you decide to forgive, which is hard, you guys. Let me tell you, that's hard. But once you do that, then you get the chance to continue to walk in forgiveness. Um, And you guys, what brings strength to the body of Christ and anger and, and honestly fear to the devil is unity between his bride. And, okay, I'll say it again. Um, what brings strength to the body of Christ and fear and anger to the devil is unity between the bride of Christ. And so the enemy is always scheming ways to bring division. He wants to divide his bride because he knows if we aren't unified, then we aren't strong, right? We may individually have the power of God living in us, but it says that a three, what's the thing about the three strand cord is stronger than Right? You know what I'm talking about? You, you, they say it in, in, in weddings and stuff when you get married, but um, about the unity, right? Um, it's, it just says that you're stronger when you're with others, right? And so if there's division in the body of Christ, then there it isn't as much strength as there could be. And so in Psalms 103.12, it says that as far as the east is from the west— So far has he removed our transgressions from us. And if we remember 
that's the way that the Lord looks at it, then it's so much easier for us, easier for us to forgive. You see, um, if I came to the Lord and I've already asked for forgiveness in whatever it, whatever sin it is, and I come back to Him when I start feeling guilty and shameful, and I say, "Oh Lord, forgive me. I'm so lowly and horrible," He's going to tell me. What are you talking about? I forgave you. I don't even remember what you're talking about. And guys, that's what we're called to do with others. We aren't supposed to remember their wrong once we've forgiven them. Once, it's, once we've forgiven them, it's done. It's, it's as far as the east is from the west. If you were wondering, that's infinite because it doesn't touch. So you just throw it away and you don't think about it again. But... The devil is always scheming ways to bring division. So he will come in, and he will remind you of that wrong that those people committed towards you, and he will try to bring division. So as soon as you say, oh, I forgive so-and-so, he's going to come, and he's going to say, the devil, not Jesus. Oh, remember when they did that? Oh, remember when they said that? Like, I can tell you guys this whole week that's what's been happening. There was a person that I danced with when I was like 13 who was not so nice to me. And and I don't even remember. Like, honestly, before this moment, before I started prepping this sermon, like, I didn't even remember this. Like, I barely thought about this girl. And as soon as I started, like, preparing for this, the devil kept bringing, do you remember when she was so horrible to you? Do you remember when she said all these things about you? And I was like, oh yeah, she was so mean to me. And then I remembered, oh no, 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 no. You're not getting me today, devil. Just kidding. And so I, I remembered like, oh, he is always trying to bring division. He's always trying to bring that defilement back into his body. And so if we refer back to John thirteen fifteen, it says, For I have given you an example that you should do as I have done. And when you do that, you are, um, sorry, my mind went woo like that. Um, guys, you know that every single one of you that happens to you, I'm not the only one. And... Um, that Jesus tells us to be an example and, and follow by his lead. And he's the perfect example of how to forgive. Um, and I want to talk more uh, for a second about um, the weeds. So if you know me, you know I'm mildly obsessed with a show called Fixer Upper. And it's my favorite. And if you don't know what that is, you need to watch it and then you'll understand my obsession. But... Um, <laughs> Thank you. Um, but uh, they, on the show, they go and they find old, old houses, and they go and fix them up and make them, oh, so beautiful. Like, I want all of them. And so, um, but when they first go to these houses, 90% of them are dumps. Like, they have have not been touched in 10 to 15 years. The outside is full of weeds. They got ivy growing all up on their house, in their windowsill. I mean, rats have come in and deteriorated, and um, it's, it's gross. And that's kind of how I see bitterness when we let it go on for years, for years. Because um, 
if you come and you spend a week and you're like, all right, Lord, I want you to come and you fix my heart. Come in, fix it, take all the weeds. So on this show, they do. That's what they do. They come and they pull out all those weeds and they fix it. But if they do that and make the house all nice and beautiful, but they don't touch that yard for another three years, what's it going to look like? Nasty. It's going to look gross. It's going to have all those weeds all over again. And so um, you have to always be looking and always reassessing the areas in your life. You have to be checking to make sure that you aren't letting that root of bitterness come back in. And if you do, then you have to go back up and look at your heart and do all those processes again. And it's so important that we continue to walk in forgiveness, right? The enemy wants you to think that you're good after one boohoo moment. Um, one, oh, I forgive them, and you're on your knees, and you're bawling. He wants you to think that that's enough. But you guys, it's a, it's a daily walk. And I tell you from someone who has been through it that one time isn't enough. It's a lifetime because every day you're encountering people. And every day you have a new opportunity to be hurt or offended by someone. And it is your choice to cause offense and bitterness to spring up and it's your choice to allow you it, you will you allow love to to cover a multitude of sins right and so you just have to remember that it's always your choice and you just remember to look to the lord look to him and and he the way that he chose to love us and he chose to wash the disciples feet even though they all were going to betray him. And he chose to wash Judas's feet, even though he was going to betray him above all of them. He chose. And guys, that's what we are called to do. No matter the offense, you may be thinking, this person, what they did was too much. I can't. I can't forgive them. Guess what, guys? You have Holy Spirit in you if you have Jesus in your heart. If you have Holy Spirit in you, then you have the power to do everything that he did. Do you believe that you can pray for people and they're healed? Yes. Yes. Do you believe that you can um, raise people from the dead? That's, That's a good faith right there, Pastor Josh, but that's true. You should believe that because you have Holy Spirit in you, and we saw Jesus do it. And as Christians, we should walk exactly how Jesus walked because we are his representation here on the earth. And if you have Holy Spirit living in you, then there is no problem. You should have no problem forgiving these people because you are called to look like him. Right? So I'm already done, even though I'm a little early. You're welcome, guys. But um, that's all I got. Um, Right now, I really obviously want, I want to help all of you move in this freedom that I have experienced. I was so full of bitterness and anger and hate. And then I came to the Lord, and you probably will look at me and be like, you're like a little bundle of hopping joy. But that's because I allowed Jesus to come and help me. He helped me get rid of all those roots of bitterness that were defiling me. And I really want to help you guys do that right now. So I want all of us to stand up. I'll even stand up. Look at that. Um, 
I want I look at it. Um, I want my ministry team, the ministry team, to come up. And right now, we're just going to um, listen to the listen to the Lord. I want Him to kind of speak to you. Some of you may already have some people in mind, but some of you may have no one in mind. You may think that I'm good, but let's all just ask and and see if the Lord does have someone He wants us to forgive. So. Right now, we're just going to listen to the Lord and just have him speak to us. Father, I just pray right now that if there's anyone that you want us to forgive, that you will just put their names in our minds. Maybe it's people we haven't thought of in 20 years. Maybe it's someone who wronged us today. But Jesus, we want these roots of bitterness to come up. We want freedom in this house today. Father, just come and speak. Holy Spirit, come and speak and let us listen. I want to say that a lot of times when we have um, hurt or bitterness towards others in the church or people close to us, we begin to see God through those lenses of hurt 